I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And we are coming to you live and in person, together in the very same room, for the first time in our entire lives. <laughs> I've never <laughs> met you before. That, that's a slight exaggeration. But indeed, this is the first ever fusion recorded where Tai Se and I are in the same room, uh, which is surprising that it took so long, especially considering we started this podcast about six months before COVID started. But anyway, it's finally happened. Um, we're in a room at Concordia University, uh, and of course, we also haven't had an episode in like about three weeks, which I think might be our our longest hiatus ever uh, since the inception of the show. Uh, it's been a busy time for us, so so do forgive us, please. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is I think this is our second episode. Did we publish the first one? Oh no, don't, that's that's the dark history. <laughs> okay, don't don't it's bring not, that. Up. It's not canon. <laughs> it's not canon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there may or may not have been an in-person episode back pre three and a half years ago. Yeah, pre-official fusion era. So, so this is officially the first one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Do we want to describe our setup? It's uh, fine. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So the room we're in uh, is pretty small. I would say. Yeah. Would you say so? Yeah, I agree. Uh, there are four walls around. They are all like a whitish beige. Um, there's a <laughs> piano. There's a wooden floor. Uh, we both of our computers are on the same desk. Uh, there's a music stand. Our bags on the floor. This is not glamorous at all. There's a ripped paper on the door, giving instructions on how to use the piano. Um, but it's okay that there's no energy in the room because we're gonna bring the energy. There we go. The bring the power. Yeah, you're sitting on a piano bench right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. sitting on a moldy-looking chair. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, this is, uh, this, is a, this is a janky podcast setup, but we love to see it, so hell yeah. This is what happens when you don't make money on the <laughs> podcast. Actually, I, I tried, I looked around Concordia University, tried to book other study rooms, uh, but being a music student, these are the only ones that I could. The other option uh, was a room in the library, which are all quite nice. Yeah. The only problem is you need to be at least two Concordia students, and I say... Uh, is not a Concordia student, so that was a no-go. That would have been problematic. You know, I almost brought my McGill hoodie today, and then I thought, maybe I'm not allowed in here as a McGill student, so I swapped it out. There's your... I don't think they can stop you from entering. Well, I'm not sure if these rooms we're in are technically supposed to be only one person. I don't think... No, I've seen, I've seen multiple people in here, but we're fine. We're, we're fine. fine. We're not breaking any rules or laws. <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Uh, let's start by talking about the player who's going to have the highest AAV in the NHL starting the season after this one, Nathan McKinnon, broke Connor McDavid's 12.5 ceiling that's been there for several years uh, by signing a new deal that will pay, pay him 12.6 million AAV over eight years. And it's funny because a lot of, I feel like the there are kind of two angles at which to come from this from, and one of them is um, the all the models that are saying like, oh, players like, McKinnon should be able to get like almost 20% of the cap. His market value should be like $16 million. So this is a bargain. And there's the other angle, which is, well, look at the actual market value for players like superstar players of his cal- caliber, McDavid and Matthews. They're not making anywhere close to that. So McKinnon actually kind of is making above that value if you want to look at it that way, even though it's a similar or even smaller percentage of the cap compared to when those players signed. Right, I think that, that makes sense. But I, I would prefer the first angle because I feel like the value he brings on the ice, uh, he outperforms his contract, he outperforms the percentage uh, compared to other value you could get with that amount of cap space. Um, but yeah, I admire the competitiveness, 
you know, just 100K more than McDavid. So, you know, it's a compromise. He became the highest played player. But, you know, he goes to the market next year, right? Because he would have been in UFA. Um, what? How much do you think he has? 13? 14. 14? Exactly. So, yeah. Bit of a discount. He's not going to be crazy old. Well, he's like 28 right now. So, he'll be 36 when this deal's up. 37. Old. What's that? He'll be pretty old. Yeah. No, but not bad. You know, he's the superstar. And uh, Cap's going to go up, allegedly. So, we've been told in like two, three years from now. So, I think once you get around there, this is like going to edge towards maybe bargain territory, depending on uh, just based on the production he brings at that cap fit. Do you think there's any merit to the idea that if Colorado hadn't just won the Stanley Cup, this negotiation would have been much much trickier and Colorado would have tried much harder to like keep the number down, like around 12? Nah, I, I find it tough to, to see that because whoever, every, the whole league recognizes, A, that he, he's been underpaid for the last like six, seven years. Uh, and that he's on, like he's up there, and maybe not McDavid tier quite, but certainly in that second tier below, um, where you're not going to play hardball with Nathan McKinnon because he'll just walk next year. There's no, there's no real leverage for the Avalanche other than, oh, you know, he likes it out there in Colorado. So, no, I think, I think this was this this, this kind of deal was going to get done, uh, irrespective of whether they won the cup. But I'm sure it's like grease the wheels um, because they're all happy now. I thought I remembered there being a quote a few years ago when everyone talking about, oh, McKinnon's on such a bargain. I thought McKinnon had said at some point, like, yeah, I'll do it again to win a Stanley Cup. Um, I, there has been you know, no inkling of that, which is fine. Um, but I feel like it actually kind of swung in the opposite direction, and McKinnon actually has been getting very frustrated with everyone being like, you're the most underpaid player in the league. How does it feel? Isn't that so nice of you? And wanted to swing it the opposite way, doubling his AAV exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, we see some quotes, like, there was some frustration, like, you could hear it in his media quotes before this extension was signed, right? Uh, he was like, I'm not talking contract during the season with the Avalanche. And, yeah, he's, you know, people, people like, prodded him with that, with that whole, like, biggest bargain in the league kind of bit. And, yeah, he sounded frustrated. He's like, you know, you don't want to see that. Uh, and he insisted that he would get fairly compensated on this contract, which, you know, clearly he insisted on. So, yeah, I think there certainly there was some frustration. and uh, But he got his bag. And... I think both sides are, seem to be pretty happy with it. It's a fair deal for the Avalanche. Is the biggest bargain in the league now Kel McCarr? Ooh, what what is what's his contract? He's got nine like, AAV. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, for 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 eight more years starting what this year? I think so. Okay, I think it was eight years. All right. Well then, yeah, no no question. Are you kidding me? That guy's worth what? Twelve, twelve on his own. Um, At least. And yeah, the fact that he's locked in for so long. I don't know why they do that. Like, I get the, I get the security. The fat, like, it's a fat check that you get, you know, with all that guaranteed money, that signing bonus on the first day. But like, man, you can make so much more money if you just wait for the cap to go up. Uh, especially for the superstars. I feel like it's been a point that's been made over the years. Um, these stars, like, kind of like the NBA, should take shorter-term deals uh, just to maximize their earnings. But, you know, it, and it'll come back. It, it often comes back to bite you in the ass if you are that superstar. And uh, you, you got a cap, like, kind of projected to skyrocket. So, yeah, Makar's up there, and he's locked in at nine. So, there's your bargain of the of the league. Makar's deal was actually six years long. So, it takes him until 2027, when he will be 28 years old. Okay. Uh, still quite a bargain. And it was signed uh, right after his second full season, um, before this one. And even at the time, it was like, this is a, probably going to be an incredible bargain. Uh, why won't this player become like the highest paid defenseman in the NHL but uh, maybe one yeah 
Maybe he'll be just as angry as McKinnon was. And uh, yeah, and he'll demand $18 million. <laughs> On the nose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Could be. Yeah. Uh, Colorado also signed Evan Rodriguez, as you were mentioning. One of the, uh, you know, late UFA signings. Got, what was it? One year, $2 million. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's, uh, that's a bargain. Uh, that's the, the avalanche with some, some smart maneuvering out there in their bottom six. I mean, this is a guy who, what, scored almost 20 goals. Uh, and yeah, they got him for two million bucks. He clearly got squeezed by the market. Um, and yeah, he was the guy that everybody just kind of look around. It's like what fucking September, and this guy wasn't signed. Uh, when yeah, he slots in. in he slots in fine as a middle six role in Colorado. Will probably be on that third line. And uh, yeah, it's just great value for the Avalanche to pick up there. Did you see the Sunny Milano news? I did to Calgary. Is that right? Or on a PTO. Yeah. Oh. Sonny Milano PTO oh, taking a sip of water live and in person. Tyson is. Um, <laughs> I never, do you normally like mute yourself when you take sips of water? Oh, I don't. Hmm. Guess you just do it quietly. That's right. Fun fact of the day. Yeah, look at that. I don't eat or drink during. The, I'm way too professional for that. Wow. To each their own. I've been slighted. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Um. All right. So let's move on to what happened three days ago on September twentieth. Because three defensemen all retired within like five seconds of each other. <laughs> there was, I believe the order was Zdeno Chara, P.K. Subban, and Keith Yandel. Which by the time, am I, am I wrong I think, that? I think Yandel was well, the first one. And we're like, oh, Keith Yandel retired. That's a whole, you know, like good for him. Then the two other Whoppers came in shortly after. And I was like, oh, there we go. We forgot about Keith Yandel. Maybe, I don't, I know the first one I saw was Chara. Okay. Um, but I was also... Busy traveling back to Montreal that day, so maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, it did kind of, oddly enough, remind me of the day Subban was traded to Nashville. And that there were like two big pieces of news. Obviously, like retirements are less big than those trades. And then a third one that normally would have been big. And everyone's like, who cares? The, the, the Yandel retiring was like the Stamkos re-signed in Tampa Bay equivalent. <laughs> so the, I guess all the big PK Subban announcements happened in in. Groups of three, the rule of threes. Yeah, he attracts the hype. He just he just brings up that much excitement yeah. <laughs> that he creates a whole day for himself. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll start with Subban because he's the most interesting, I'd argue, out of the three. Um, not not only like the, the player, but like so young, uh, for for the caliber of player that he is. Uh, even if he has been kind of much reduced with with the the you know injuries in the later years, but yeah, he's like only what thirty three. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, yeah. it seems that he uh, didn't want to he he. What finished the nine nine million dollar contract and uh, wasn't interested in taking a lower paying role. Good for him. Uh, and yeah, sounds like he's got some some shit set up with the NHL. Some sort of probably some broadcasting role later. I'm sure on. he does. Um, but yeah, to you know to speak on his career. I mean, yeah, this is just someone who is who, like I said, attracted excitement. Um, both yeah from an audience perspective, both on and off the ice. Uh, like he was just fun to watch. Right. Um, just. You know when he was on the Habs, uh, and yeah, you could tell like you don't even you don't need to you know see the number or whatnot. Um, just you know the defenseman skating up the ice, and then you're like, fuck, that's PK Subban. Um, yeah, it was it was excellent, and then you combine that with all the off the off the ice stuff with the hospital and everything like that, and just the personality. Um, yeah, you just made for one of the bright spots in the league for sure. Yeah, it's hard to overstate how how big of a presence he had in Montreal, even for just like four years or so. From the, from the time, from his breakout season, the year he won the Norris Trophy. And through that season, through the playoff run in 2014, the, those big goals against Boston, 
Uh, he was a finalist for the Norris the year after that as well. And again in Nashville, I'm pretty sure. And I remember, um, I feel like it maybe could best be uh, emphasized uh, the day he was traded, how gloomy I remember the city feeling. Because I actually have, I uh, was kind of close to downtown the day. And it was like very overcast and rainy. And I was like, this is symbolic. The weather knows. Yeah, it's so weird. I have such a vivid memory of that day. And I don't often have vivid memories of anything, you know, like more than a month ago. Um, but I was coming back from a friend's cottage uh, and with his family. And we were just on the radio. And that's how I learned. And I remember the, it was a gloomy fucking day. It was gray as hell. And uh, yeah, what is it? Pathetic fallacy. That's what it's called. Um, when the weather reflects a bit. Um, so, <laughs> the bit. <laughs> the bit. Which is that the whole city is that. But no, it's crazy. Like, it feels like he was longer there for them. Longer in Montreal than like four good well, seasons. Well, yeah, well, he was, he, was with, he was on the team for, I think, about six seasons. Yeah. Which still, like, for someone who feels like, like it's Price and then Subban as like the most important halves of this era. Only six years really isn't very long. No, not at all. Uh, feels like he was there longer, and yeah, he just had that crazy impact. Like he fucking built the whole wing of a hospital, and that was a whole yeah. like <laughs> that was a whole thing. Um, and yeah, he continues to you know champion diversity initiatives and all that. So he's just a one. Um, we stand CK Subban. So now, after the Subban Weber trade, six years later, and they're both retired. Who would have seen that coming? Uh, who who won the deal? What's the final <laughs> verdict? <laughs> who won the deal? Can we, My God. you and I, put this d- debate to rest finally? <laughs> I well, you know what? I I'm gonna stick to my guns. I think uh, the Preds won that one. Um, just because you know the my philosophy with these trades. Um, you know, obviously when you make them, you can't project what's gonna happen later on. Uh, and you know that's part of the equation, but I still put a big weight on the asset management the day you make that trade, right? Which asset is more valuable? Is it PK Subban? Is it Shea Weber? Uh, and I was firmly in the camp that PK Subban was much more valuable than Shea Weber uh, at their respective points in their career. Um, I felt that you know the Habs were getting rid of them for like bogus character concerns, uh, at least in part. And uh, yeah, I think they they lost value. Like if they were. You know, if they were going to trade him for Weber, they should have gotten more in return from Nashville, and I still stand by that. So I'm still, uh, Nashville won the trade. Um, all right. I'm trying to, I thought this would be kind of easy to do like an extremely quick trade tree. Um, because Montreal now has Evgeny Dadanov to show for this deal after trading Shea Weber's LTIR what a flex. Uh, to, to Dadanov. Hmm? What a flex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Nashville, they traded PK Subban to New Jersey. And that deal was notably quite bad for them as well. They got back Steven Santini, Jeremy Davies, and two second-round picks. And it looks like uh, both second-round picks, they actually ended up trading. One to Philadelphia, who took Bobby Brink. Nashville moved down and took like Igor Afanasiev and I'm sure someone else in the later rounds. And the other one, um, they traded to Minnesota with uh, Nick Benino exchange for Luke Cunning and some later picks. And Luke Cunning, they just traded to San Jose for a third round. So I would say, uh, you know, you have like some C-level prospects and mid-late round picks on, Nash- on the national side of things. And Montreal has got a top six forward. So <laughs> at the end of the day, the, 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 the uh, conclusion is clear. Montreal has officially won the Subban for Weber trade. You heard it here first. <laughs> Spoken like a Habs holder. Stanley Cup this? final run by Nashville. Oh. Be darn. Montreal had one too, yeah. so that argument doesn't even work anymore. With <laughs> Shea Weber, Montreal went to the Stanley Cup final. Wow. Okay, you're really so, building your case, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You're 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 committed. Are you committed to the stake? 
No, but I'm okay. making it anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess I can't even say history will bear out who who won this trade because you know, well, poo, their careers are over. It's over. It's done. There's nothing else to prove. And we just sit here. We will disagree forever on this take <laughs> unless you change your mind. Unless you or change your mind. That too. Um. So there you have it. Um. Montreal. In all honesty, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And um, if you know there was some kind of Habs fan time machine, I would have been advised to Mark Bergman not to make this trade. Yeah, absolutely. But they won anyway, so. Yeah, of course. Um, not like unless you lose the you lose the personality, you lose the you lose the hype. PK Subban. So I'm factoring that in. You know what I mean? Just the excitement. That is true. Shea Weber was much less exciting than PK Subban. I like Shea Weber much less than PK Subban. So there we go. Mm-hmm. I'm very much looking forward to him being the first ever interesting person on like a Sportsnet panel or something. Oh, really? I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Remember the video of him? I think during the lockout, doing the Don Cherry impression. Vaguely, that rings a bell. People were like circulating it the other yeah. day after he retired. He was like, "You go there, you do that, you do the thing. Now listen." And like George Stromboulopoulos was laughing his ass off. <laughs> it was on air, or it was like a. I was sort of clip. like some kind of a clip. I think. Yeah. I think like Subban, he was there for some kind of promotional reason, but I think this was just someone like whipping out their phone and filming okay. this impression. Yeah, that's the that's the impression. It wasn't like and yeah. now for a PK Subban impersonating Don Cherry. That wasn't it. Okay, I'm waiting for the day he dies, Don Cherry. Okay, I'm surprised <laughs> for like a half a second. I thought you were talking about PK Subban. No, yeah, I had to specify, but uh, yeah, it's nice to not hear his name for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Wonder. Every now and then I see him trending on Twitter, yeah. and sometimes I'll click on it. And it's always people like Don Cherry should be the prime minister, like shit like that. Crazy take. Crazy. <laughs> Real Canadian values. Hashtag where's the maple leaf? Remember that shit? He wore a maple leaf on his lapel once. It was that like a it was a whole ass like crumpled ass maple leaf. No, I found it hilarious. I don't remember. Just that one at all. day he pulled up on his suit, a dead maple leaf. <laughs> That he dumbest. found on the ground outside. He was like, this will look nice. Literally. Like in our in our high school senior recital, like an hour before it started, I picked up a dandelion from the ground and I like put it in the pocket <laughs> in my shirt. That added some nice color though. A little, like uh, I was wearing a black shirt that added some nice flair of color. Something wrong with your audio. Oh, darn. Should we stop? Okay. Okay. And I left. Okay, still yeah. rolling. Yeah. Um. Next up, speaking of uh, you know, Habs fans' favorite. Let's talk about Habs fan enemy number one, circa 2011 or so. The Chara. There was no one more hated in this city than him at that time. I would say, if I remember correctly, from the dynamics of my fourth grade classroom. Um. Was that because the Pacioretty? Or, uh... That was what instigated it okay. for sure. Yeah. The the Pacioretty hit. Then after that, it was just like you know, there was already the whole Bruins are the rivals, and he's the captain, and he's mean because he's tall and he hits us, and they won the Stanley Cup. No fair. Right. Um. But I mean, yeah, Hall of Fame defenseman. Here's a fun question that people have been talking about: yeah. Peak Char or Peak Subban? Who's better? Ooh. Um. When was Peak Chara? Like, was it like it's it's 
I he's had a like, weird career path, right? I think he peaked around like 30 in, well, early 30s, I guess. Like he won his Norris, I think, in 2009. Yeah. And so I'd say peak Chara's like pretty much right after he got to Boston, and I think it was like 2007, 2008, uh, up until maybe 2013 or so. Okay. And so, and, and then here's the question: Are we putting them on teams today, or are we like? Oh, because if we are, then Subban would be the clear winner. You right. Would, yeah. You yeah, would yeah, have yeah, to think. Exactly. I think the game's kind of changed to, to favor the Subban style of, you know, puck-carrying defensemen. Um, I think if you go back, back to, like, I don't know, 2010, um, you probably take Chara, just based on the style of game. I feel like people were, like, hmm, people underappreciated Subban, uh, for one. Uh, and, but yeah, I think personal preference, I'd like to have PK Subban <laughs> on my team. Um, but for the game style, it was you know, he was very imposing. So, there's my answer. Yeah. Because my, my initial reaction, because uh, Chara has, you know, he played till 45, and Subban played to 33, is that Subban's prime was maybe shorter. But really, that's not the, the case at all. Chara, since like 2015, has been, you know, tailing off, and for the past few years, has not been very effective at all. Meanwhile, PK Subban, was still getting Norris votes in like 2018, and only after those you know, back injuries started piling up is when he had a very steep decline. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, Char took a sweet-ass time getting to the yeah. <laughs> peak of his game. Like, what, he was, like, 29? Like, he's crazy. Like, I went back yeah. and looked. Like, he spent, like, what, like, nine seasons out there, like, between the Islanders and, and, and the Sens, um, mm-hmm. which is insane. Like, you know, like... You Growing don't... into his body. Right. <laughs> yeah, all that height took him that much more time, apparently. Um... But yeah, no, it's crazy to think, right? Because like you know, he's obviously the iconic Bruins player, but and you know, obviously some players, you know, like Joe Thornton spent a few seasons in Boston or whatever. Um, but like nine years is a long time. It's a long time to not be on the Bruins, uh, and still become a franchise icon. So, you know, just a just a weird path. And uh, yeah, I guess that's how he he got he had light mileage early on. And he signed the one day contract too with Boston. Yeah. This, I'm I'm so sick of this. <laughs> it's so stupid. What does it mean? What does it do? Who cares? The symbolism. I I for one don't give a shit. I don't give a single fucking shit. That's just shit. the problem. If they, I feel like these players, or at least these accounts tweeting about it, think fans do give a shit or should. Right. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I think it's more for the player. No. Like, oh, I'm going back. I'm signing a one day contract. You know, like back with the homies, kind of deal. Um, is it for the fans? You really think it's for the fans? Yeah, I, like this whole like it's sentimentality about like I retired with this team because they're where my heart is. But whatever, I don't know. Just hold your retirement speech there if you want to. You don't need to sign a one day contract. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a P- strange PR stunt. Um, yeah. but I feel like you know they didn't want it. If they, I feel like they only do it because they want to do it. I don't think there's any like you know coercion. On behalf of the team, uh, it's just uh, it's an optics bit, I guess. So you know what? I've I've turned I turned my mind around. This is for the fans, uh, and yeah, I, I I guess they think people should care, and they're wrong. Do you think people like are doing this so that they expect people to look back on history and be like, Zdeno Chara ended his career with the Boston Bruins"? <laughs> Not a single fucking chance. But that's what it reads like. They're trying to make it come across as. 
No, it makes for a nice media day. That's why. That's the only reason why. They want a nice little present. They have the little photo. He puts on the jersey again. You go through the highlights. Nobody remembers. Like, you're not going to remember this a month from now. And nobody will, you know, the, you'll, you'll have to fucking go into the archives to find the, the news. You players. heard it here first, folks. Because Daniel Chara did not retire a Boston Bruin. He retired a... Uh, well, technically, he retired an unrestricted free agent. <laughs> right. A no-name. A sad no-name's Daniel Chara. Um... He retired while well, his last team was a new, with the New York Islanders, which was the team that drafted him, which was poetic enough for me. That's true. There we go. He should have just ended it there. Exactly. Not, enough of this one-day contract nonsense. Yeah, straight um, up. All right. You've converted me. I'm, uh, we're one-day contract antis now. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast. And lastly, we have Keith Yandel, um, the least notable of them all. Correct. Um, but still a pretty notable player. He was quite underrated during his time in the with the Coyotes and other teams, so even when he was still with the Panthers, uh, when he played with the Rangers for a bit too in the middle there, and ended with the Flyers, of course. We had some rants about him a few months ago, about uh, you know, ending his Ironman streak, just uh, you know, so Kevin Connaughton can get into the lineup, and Ronnie Adderd, uh, <laughs> eleven games short of a thousand. Um, but you know, I was gonna say, I guess that allows him to kind of retire peacefully. That like, like my streak is broken. Yeah. How yeah. badass would it have been though? If he was still on the Iron Man streak and was like, I'm done. He didn't start his career on the Iron Man, did he? No. He stand as I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like that's the one thing we'll take away from Keith Yandel's career. Like, he was a good defenseman, um, but he's got the Iron Man streak. So, uh, you know what? Good for him. That, that's a solid way to go out uh, with, that, with that kind of, uh, I don't know, notoriety. But, you know, people will remember. Yeah. And he still holds the record right now. So Yeah, for at least another month and a half or so. That's right. Until uh, uh, the Coyotes, no, not the Coyotes, the Knights. The Maple Leaf be a good time. Wait, will he tie it against the Maple Leafs or, or beat it? He'll tie it. Okay. So, yeah, Phil Kessel on the hunt. Um, we love plugging that record. I feel like we bring it up yeah. at least once a month. We bring it up way too often. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. But we will at every opportunity. Anything else on Keith Yandel you want to share? No, I got absolutely nothing on Keith Yandel. Right. Great. Let's move on to some other news. Um, there was some captain news lately in the NHL. Yeah, uh, Canadian team captain Ooh. news from two different teams. There was, of course, Montreal naming Nick Suzuki captain. There was also Winnipeg naming Blake Wheeler not captain anymore. <laughs> stripping the captaincy. Um, and apparently it kind of blindsided him. He didn't see it coming. They, I guess, gave him very little or maybe no warning that they were thinking about slash planning on doing this. Here's a fun question. Do you remember the most recent player to get stripped of their captaincy? No. It's kind of a trick question. <laughs> stripped of their captaincy. Define stripped. It was, um, so here's what it is. Player on the team, captain, and then team decides you're not captain anymore, even though still on the team. Hey, Weber? Uh, no, he was never actually stripped. This was less than a year ago. Okay, who is it? Jack Eichel with Buffalo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was that was like a, that was like a news event, right? Yeah, but but it was like everyone knew they were about to trade him anyway. Um, but I think the the most notable recent examples of this both come from San Jose, because in the early 2010s, I think, is that Patrick Marlowe was a captain. Then one year they decided, uh, no, we'll do Joe Joe Thornton will be captain instead. A few years ago later, mm, not Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski is captain instead. <laughs> And this whole time, these players are all still on the team, yeah. and they're all doing great going on deep playoff runs. They almost won a Stanley Cup. Um, I don't think Winnipeg's going to do that, but 
And I also think, you know, in the case of Winnipeg, a team that has been falling off the map fast as opposed to 2010's Sharks, which were, you know, a great team, uh, this is yet another indication of the locker room rot that we've been hearing rumblings about for the past three years or so. Yeah, this re- this reeks of dysfunction. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, you know, if you're talking about the Sharks from 2010, it's like one of the last times you re- it happened. Um, this doesn't happen often. I, for one, love the news. I think it's hilarious. It makes for great drama. <laughs> great news. Great news. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Blake Wheeler, uh, both his personality uh, and I think he's overrated. Um, but, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's great gossip. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, for, for sure. When you talk about locker room, Marat, um, yeah, they, they clearly do not see him as that captain figure. Uh, what was it? We, we heard reports that there was like some sort of bullying going on um in that locker room so yeah clearly not deserving of it uh and yeah good on the jets or good on rick bonus for recognizing it and uh it's a it's a ballsy move it's a ballsy move to strip him of the captaincy and then not trade him to keep him on the team to kind of let him stew in it um i respect it for one uh and yeah blake wheeler he got blindsided you'll have to see it i think his reaction was funny um <laughs> not not an intentional way but where he's like uh well, you have to process it. You have to sit there and process it after they told him. Uh, but it's been enough time. They gave me time to process it. That's what they said. So, uh, good for you, Blake Wheeler. Um, hope you're dealing with it okay. Um, or not. I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not the captain. It's a solid shit. Solid shit. I had a good laugh at this one. I don't think this was a Rick bonus decision. Well, he's a new coach. And I'm also pretty sure this news was um, announced before training camp even started. So this was, you know, probably an upper management thing. And I think Blake Wheeler's still wearing an A, right? Is he? I don't know. I thought so. I thought that's what I saw, that, like, Wheeler was just going to wear the A's with Shifley and Josh Morrissey. So this is kind of just a thing of, like, yeah, we're just kind of making the three leaders have equal power rather than having Blake Wheeler stand above the rest. So I really think this won't do anything to change the locker room culture if that's what's being attempted here. Yeah. But it certainly sends a message, I think. Like he took he clearly sent a message to Wheeler. Yeah. Um so he had to process the message. Yeah, that's right. But until they, they remove the the, the Shifley Wheeler combo who already get enough way too much ice time uh, last year. Um yeah, you're right. I don't really see the culture changing and the roster's not good enough to, to kind of keep them floating. Um I'm trying to find uh, what the leadership team is, but uh, Cap Friendly right it. now just lists two alternates, which are Shifley and Morrissey. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia sometimes has a list, but it might be out of date. Um, let's see. List of current NHL captains and alternate captains. And we scroll down. Winnipeg Jets captaincy vacant. Uh, Winnipeg Jets alternate captains. Oh, Wikipedia says vacant, vacant, vacant. Okay. So they might name yeah. a totally new leadership group. Rick bonus. That'd be fun. That'd be fun if we see who do. All right, let's let's place our bets here. Say they totally revamp the leader Wheeler, Shifley, and Morrissey, uh, all out. I don't think that's how it would happen. Say they name like three new alternates. What are we thinking here? Stanley Club. I think Kyle Connor. Oh yeah, seems like a solid fit. I don't know if he's leadershipy. I have no yeah. idea. Do we do we give the eight to the goalie since he carries the entire fucking team? <laughs> Not allowed. Sadly. Uh is is it? Is that the rule? You know. Yeah, goalies can't wear letters. Oh, okay. Because those are the players who, well, you can in you can symbolically be like our goalie is an assistant cap or I'd much rather that like Price is like part of our leadership group and he comes to, when they had like 
Uh, Patchetti was captain, and they had four alternates. It was like Subban, Patchetti, Placanath, and Markov. Price was included in that kind of uh, faction, I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, the goalies can't wear letters because those are the players who have to go talk to the refs. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Let's uh, let's say, ooh, Nikolai Ehlers. There, there are no good there, options. There are, <laughs> Neil Pionk. I think Brandon, Neil Pionk for sure. I think, I think Dylan. Ooh. Adam Lowry, I could see Lowry getting a letter for sure. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. A, it's more appropriate now that his dad's not the coach anymore. Um, if his dad was the coach, I'd be more comfortable predicting it. Honestly, yeah, true. Um, Nate Schmidt's kind of old. What I honestly think is going to happen yep. is they'll just keep. I think they'll go like a bunch of alternates route, and they'll keep like Wheeler, Shifley, Morrissey, and maybe add like Lowry and Pionk, or something like that. Wow, what a group! What a what, a, what an altogether mid group. Yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah well, because just leaders. I don't know if Connor and Ehlers are just like yeah we score a lot or if they are the type of people who would be endowed with those responsibilities. Not that Wheeler and Connor should. I mean, not that Wheeler and Shifley should be. Right. Yeah. No. No. I, for sure. I guess they don't give necessarily leader of the locker room vibes. Um. But maybe they do. I don't know. I'm not there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like they're not quite old. So, but hey, Nick Suzuki wasn't old. So, maybe that's not stopping them. Remember all the rumors around, like, Wheeler and Shafley kind of, like, ostracizing Patrick Laine when he was there? Yeah. And I've I've noticed a couple weeks ago, actually, when we did the Jets Guess Who, there's an alarming lack of Europeans on this roster. Nikolai Ehlers is the only notable one. And everyone else listed, besides, like, David Gustafson, Billy Heinola, who are, like, two prospects who've really broken in, and backup goalie David Riddich, who just got there. Everyone's North American. Huh. It, it it's uh you have to wonder is that a management thing or a uh, or is that a, everyone knows thing? like Shifley and Wheeler are mean to Europeans thing? Yeah, I think it's fair to wonder. Which it's I, very to very to ask the question. Yeah, of course. Um, I think there's some sort of bias there. It's just the question of whose bias is it? Yeah, yeah, maybe a bit of both. If we're being honest. Um. Maybe. So yeah, there we go. That that is a a very strange lack of European. Certainly is. Up. Um. Then we've got. New captain of the Montreal Canadiens, Nick Suzuki, thirty-first captain in their history. Um, and you know, I I was kind of surprised it happened now, just because I'm still expecting this team to suck shit. I thought next summer is when this announcement would be made, but I assumed it was inevitable. Um, and the fact that I knew it was inevitable is probably a sign that like it doesn't matter that it happened right now. It's not like he's not ready for it or anything like that. Um. People have kind of brought up, like, could it have been Brennan Gallagher? I don't think so. But, like, over the past, even since, like, Pacioretty's been here and was captain, it's kind of felt like it was inevitable at some point, point that Brennan Gallagher would become captain. Um, And it just never really lined up that it happened that way because, obviously, there was you know, Weber here, and, you know, there's no question he would be named captain. And now that he's gone, Gallagher is, uh, you know, slowing down Bad. tremendously and yeah. you know the team is no good and you want the uh captain the leadership to be where the future of the team lies that's with nick suzuki and you know gallagher and joel edmondson will be wearing the a's so there's some some experience in your group of leaders yeah i but that's the thing i don't even think it's a given that if you have a young team that you have to name the the, the young guy of the future necessarily as your captain um i just think uh gallagher's not good enough he kind of, you know, he's regressed to the point where you don't want to get some, you don't want somebody who's stuck shit 
as your captain, um, you know, as a general rule. So I think that plays a part of it. I think Gallagher, you look at his contract, it's looking a lot like it's going to be an albatross. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's an awfully un- unlikable title to hold uh, within the fan base. So I think, you know, it kind of scratched him off. Yes, you're right. The timeline never fit. There was always someone just ahead of him on the pecking order to become a captain. Um, but yeah, I think Suzuki is definitely the right choice. He's got the leadership material and whatnot. Uh, he's got the right vibes. Uh, and yeah, this is clearly the, uh, the the captain man of the future until he's, uh, I don't know, replaced perhaps. Who knows? I think Gallagher is not quite as bad as you're making him out to be. I think he was like the most snake-bitten player in the entire NHL this year. And I think he is going to bounce back. Just like just the year before this. With 14 goals in 35 games. That's, that's a pretty nice goal scoring pace. He scored at like a, a 30 goal or near 30 goal pace for like four years in a row before this past season when he scored seven goals in 56 games. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of the underlying numbers show that there was bad luck playing into it. I know he's had injuries as well. I know he's 30. Um, maybe this is the start of an extremely sharp decline. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it quite yet. Okay, there's your take. Um, I, I think you you put the part. I think he's shown to be, uh, the injuries are taking their toll on this guy. Um, so I think it'll slow down quicker than most. And I think just you know you look at the production. Uh, you know before last season, the linemates now are just completely different. I mean the, the chemistry of that top line. Uh, when it was uh, Dano Gallagher and you know third guy, uh, Tatar. Right, Tar or was it Lexington in that last season? Yeah, for a little. Uh huh. Yeah, I think you know that that played a large part in driving the results because they were so successful uh, when they were on the ice, especially at five on five. Um, but now that that's gone, I think you know I I maybe a bit of a you know bounce back. You know where he regresses to the mean uh, when it comes to luck, but I don't think the same player is there anymore. I think the age is taking its toll on Brandon Gallagher. That's true. This was his first year without Philip Deneau, and the results struggled mightily. Right. Something to keep an eye on. Another interesting thing with this announcement, Paul Byron stripped of his alternate captaincy. Did you notice that? No, I don't think most people did. No, I certainly didn't. <laughs> I think a lot yeah. of that is because he was out of the lineup injured so often, and he's still um, injured right now, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, he's on IR, uh, along with Joel Edmondson, actually. Yeah. He has a bad back. Uh, who does? Edmondson. Yeah, yeah, he was just announced like yesterday, I think, like out. Is it indefinitely? Uh, yeah, so so that's a yikes, um, and Paul Byron as well is injured. So now all of a sudden you need someone new wearing the A, <laughs> at least while Edmondson's out. Uh, let's see, who's it gonna be? Gonna be David Savard maybe? Michael Matheson, um, Christian Dvorak, Olympicking, Josh Anderson. That's my ah, bet. there that's it gonna is. Be, there yeah, it big is. tough guy, Mister Marketing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the guy. Yeah, so Josh Anderson now in line. Doesn't Edmondson? How many years does he have left on his contract? Is it just one? Um, he's got two. Just okay, one more. Okay, all right. So that's why they 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 feel comfortable giving yeah, him. Yeah, like you'll leave, then we'll give the A to like Caulfield or something. Exactly. Perfect transition plan. In or Caden Gooley. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this team will uh will suck shit. They will be terrible. Um. But uh, they'll have a captain at least. Sean Monahan might wear an A. Oh. Well, I mean, that's kind of risky. I would think. What's so risky about putting an A on Sean Monahan? Might have to trade his ass. Midseason. So, well, Joel Edmondson won't be injured anymore by that point. So, <laughs> you'll pump his value too, huh? Leadership, yeah, leadership yeah. pedigree. That's true. Give it to Dadanov as well. <laughs> yeah, just give, just give you all your letters. It doesn't matter the season, anyways. You give all your letters to 
everyone you want to trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That'll work. Yeah, actually, I honestly think the best way to artificially inflate someone's trade value is just to put them on the penalty kill a lot. Say, look, this guy kills penalties. Awful. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good you do. I swear. <laughs> everyone's under the impression if someone plays on the penalty kill, they're a penalty killer. Okay. Interesting. That's, that's, I've never heard that take before. But, uh, yeah, okay. Take note. Take note, coaches and general managers. Speaking of the Habs, yep. um, their, their training camp has started, and there are some interesting uh, lines that they had, you know, like the lineup. Okay. Um, okay, here. I'm, I've, okay, i got to pull that Habs eyes, eyes on the prize. And I was, I was talking about specifically like the defensive pairings. Michael Matheson is with Justin Barron, um, which kind of implies to me that, you know, they're expecting Justin Barron to make the team. Um, simultaneously, David Savard uh, was partnered with Caden Gooley. So maybe they're, especially with Edmonton out, maybe they're saying, come on, Caden Gooley, uh, the road is open for you to, to earn a spot. Interesting. Is that going to be a shutdown pair? Was this Savard and uh, Savard Gooley. and Gooley is a pair. Where's yeah. the offensive upside, huh? Somebody uh, pointed out. Gooley's got more than Savard, so yeah, it's a low bar to clear though, <laughs> uh, and he's not known for his offense, right? So yeah, well, I guess the time is now, uh, since they drafted him what three years ago at this point, three drafts ago, um, to uh, which was like two years ago, pretty much. Okay, yeah, fair, but yeah, yeah, they integrate, have to integrate them, um, to give him a try. That that'll be interesting, um, because we did we did uh, kind of kill that pick when it happened. Because it was bad. Yeah, we did not. We uh, were pulling for Dawson Mercer at that point, who has made the NHL already, by the way. So maybe we were correct or something. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Gooley's development has uh, come along more nicely than I would have expected. Anyway, so basically, Montreal split into Team A, Team B, and Team C, and each team appears to have like one defense pairing that Montreal's like, this might be an NHL pairing. Even though they each have like maybe one NHL defenseman on them, there's the Matheson Baron, there's Gouli Savard, and Team C uh, had Corey Schooneman and Chris Weidman. Interesting. How you say there's one NHL defenseman on each pairing? I've, and I, I'm thinking it's Chris Weidman on that one. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Where's Jordan Harris? Jordan Harris should be here somewhere. Michael Matheson, an NHL defenseman. Oh, Jordan oh, yeah. Harris. Uh, is on Team C as oh no sorry Team C and Team D oh uh, okay okay and Team D had Schooneman and Weidman Team C had Jordan Harris with uh, Arbor Jacaj who I still know how to pronounce his name no oh, the guy with the X H at the beginning of his name indeed huh? okay good for him top pair um so that seems like your top four pairs with the what was it Jacaj and Harris pair Jordan Harris yeah. yeah sounds about right. Yeah, with Edmondson out, that's that the story. Yeah, uh, disgusting lack of depth out of their defense. Incredible. They're just beautiful. Uh, yeah, they haven't fixed it, so, you know, yeah, this fucking flaming pile of shit. Uh, yeah, is there a single top four defenseman in this group? Matheson played like one last year. Okay. But that's it. Wow. Is the best defenseman last year on this defense for Mike Matheson? Absolutely. It's not even yeah. close. Oh, Michael Matheson, yeah. Wow. How far this has fallen. Jesus Christ. Remember when defense was like, well, along with goaltending, the strength of the team. At least compared to forwards, it was the strength yeah. of the team. Yeah. It was, you know, Subban, Markov, Josh Georges, Jeff Petrie. It was like the stellar top four. Well, I guess those four specifically were just for like a few months in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. Now now the strength is... Oh, no. Georges was gone by the time Jeff Petrie was there. My bad. Whatever. You get the idea. Yeah. 
you know, people like that. Yeah, those yeah. types of players. Tom oh. Gilbert <laughs> on the bottom pair. Al Gil. <laughs> Al Gil. Around that era. Um, yeah, Yaroslav Spotchuk. There's Joel a name. Back. Roman Hammerick. Is that too far back? They were, they were both like 2011. 2011 core. Okay. Era. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Now the strength of the uh, team is where? Question mark, question mark. Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. The strength of the team is two forwards. Yep, straight up, literally. Uh-huh. That's it. There's one line in particular, a forward line I want to point out yep. for how interesting and fun it is. It's got Cole Caulfield on the left wing, Mike Hoffman on the right wing, okay, and Philip Machar at center. Whoa, okay. Right? That's fun. It is fun. Yeah. That they would go, all right, 26th overall pick from like a few months ago, Philip Machar, play center, which I, th- I had thought he was a winger, play center with these two, you know, goal-scoring wingers. Yeah. So there's just no defense on this uh, on this line, huh? They're, they're just all going to stand near the blue line. I guess Machar is competent defensively. Allegedly. Um, but, you know, even then, he's a rookie. They all need coaching defensively. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. See if he makes the team. Yeah, I guess I guess if they're already putting him up there uh, with the caliber of wingers like that, they're giving him a fair shot to make the roster. I guess. Yeah. You know, it's some a lot of times when players when teams draft players in like the late twenties, maybe they had him ranked like ninth overall. Yeah. You know, you never know. True. So yeah, there we go. Interesting. Some other fun lines we got Dvorak at center with uh, Dodonov and Gallagher, and we've also got Uri Slavkovsky playing with uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard and second round pick Owen Beck on <laughs> Team C. Team AHL, as they say. Um. Well, Owen Beck's probably going back to junior, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Slavkovsky is. It'd be pretty crazy if Mishar made the team and Slavkovsky went to the Laval Rocket. The scandal. Oh my god. The scandal, yeah. The newspapers will have will have a field day. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they they picked him for very different reasons. Um, Slavkovsky was obviously the forefront. He worked worked out the kinks of his game. Uh, so I think it'd be the optics are interesting. I think long term wise, it it kind of does make sense. Um, Mishar is more ready to go. Yeah, so Drew Ann's not here because he's injured. Paul Byron as well. I don't see Sean Monahan anywhere. I I've seen reports. Everyone's like, yeah, it's he's gonna be ready for the season. Nothing's changed. But I guess he wasn't ready quite for a training camp. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if the the, the Sean Monahan bounce back. I'm excited to see because like. His what his decline was so steep, right? We've talked about it. Um, all of a sudden, become a healthy scratch. Uh, yeah, just the injuries or the uh, complete dog shit. We'll find out. This is the team to watch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> most exciting team in the NHL. <laughs> uh huh. Is that a good segue into the Philadelphia Flyers? <laughs> Perfect. <Let's> roll. <laughs> all right. Uh, so obviously Tortorella is their coach now, and he's already started making headlines. Um, I I couldn't find when I looked it up, but I was listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. And they were talking about Tortorella having written out a handwritten letter to the players and making a bunch of photocopies of it and sending it out. And that basically said, training camp's going to be tough or whatever. And did you see the picture? I'm not sure who the player was, but of training camp today, Tortorella standing there, another player just like lying down on the ice. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Oh, I wish I knew uh, who the player was. Remember last year at Canucks training camp yes. when like Ewell Levy was like hunched over in the corner and Connor Garland was like barfing behind the net? <laughs> well, Levy was like, Probably traded, no? Or yeah, he was, he was traded not very long after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, that. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Tortorella had said basically like uh, 
I can tell already that like there's a bad vibe. He didn't say vibe, obviously. Like the culture is poor in the locker room. I'm in no rush to name a captain. Um, so I don't think he's gonna name a captain. I think if Sean Couturier were healthy, there would be no reason not to name him captain. He just seems like you know the obvious pick. And I I also thought forming my thoughts for like my standings predictions, which it will probably do next episode. I was like, could the Flyers bounce back? Tortorella, you know, he's known for squeezing as much as possible out of bad teams. Also, like Sean Couturier, by far the Flyers' most important player was missing for almost all of last season. Um, so he'll be back, and so that'll be better immediately. He won't be back though. Turns out, uh, Sean Couturier, uh, is probably out all season. Even though he's listed as week to week, he's probably going to miss at least a couple months. And assuming the Flyers are dog shit near the bottom of the standings. Um, and obviously, especially there's an incentive to tank this year because of Connor Bedard. I foresee Couturier at all season. And same deal with Ryan Ellis, who after uh, being acquired from Nashville, played four games last season and is out all of this season yet again. Uh, so we've got we're running back Kevin Hayes, top line center. Um, and we are uh, looking at a terrible team here. Yeah, just absolute dog shit. Um... Their best forward by far, and their what second best defenseman uh, at this point after Provorov, maybe even better than Provorov yeah. when he played two years ago. So you know they're embracing the tank. Um, you know maybe not intentionally, but you know what? I want to go back to the letter. Intentionally, they acquired Tony D'Angelo this summer. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a move! What an absolute stupidity! Uh, but I just want to point out, I want to go back to that letter. That's the dumbest fucking format to send a letter. All right, there's two ways to send a letter. All right, you type it out, maybe send an email, maybe you print that shit. All right, but you type it out and you send it all. All right, there's another one which you you know handwrite everybody's letter. Right, that's that's great. You're you're committed to the bit. Really, handwrite that shit and then photocopy. It? That's the most janky ass, like unprofessional this is, garbage. This is exactly what Julian McKenzie said on the Athletic Hockey uh-huh. Show. He was like, if you're gonna handwrite the letter, go all the way and write it for everyone. <laughs> if, if you handwrite for you know the personal touch and then photocopy, you just counteracted yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's the message you're trying to send here? Uh huh. Like, you can take shortcuts to success. <laughs> is that what you're saying, torts? But you want to send the, the illusion that you tried with a with a handwritten note. Maybe you just can't type. Um, because <laughs> it take longer for him to type than to write it out. Perhaps that's just an alternative suggestion. Um, but just just a truly brain dead format in which to to send a letter. So you know, shout down uh, for John Tortorella for that one. Uh, and shout down? You mean you mean shout in? I was gonna say like the opposite of a shout out. Shout uh, in? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm an actual moron for that one. Shout up. A sh- shout in. A shout in. A, a whisper in. For I feel like I've made this joke before. Um, <laughs> it's a chance. I, I won't do it again. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's whack. And yeah, as for the uh, the Flyers as a whole, yep, this team will stink. Um, their only hope is uh, Carter Hart bounces back, has a good season, and now you have a at least a somewhat positive outlook for your future because you have a goalie. Um, that's about it. There's there's nothing else to salvage here. There ain't shit. There ain't shit. Um, yeah, that's that's all there is to say. I mean, like, what what are we hopeful for here? Uh, like a 33-year-old Cam Atkins that takes the next step so <laughs> the next step. he can live out the last two years of his contract in glory. Get out of here. There ain't shit here. This team stinks. It has no future. Uh, and uh, they need to tear this shit down. You know, just looking at the personnel on the team, I'd probably have them ranked maybe 29th or 30th in the league. I do think Tortorella still 
like squeeze enough overtime games out of them to get them up to like twenty second or something. Sure. I feel like he'd be a good coach to get a lot out of like Travis Konechny and uh, uh, uh Scott Lawton. I don't know. <laughs> Nick Delorier. Nick Delorier for sure will thrive under Don Tortorella. Um, but oh, yet there the is there is extremely little offensive upside here. Like the exciting young players to look out for breaking onto the scene are like Owen Tippett and Bobby Brink. Um. Yeah, Nolan Patrick, by the way, not on the Flyers anymore, obviously, but he's missing the entire season. Just thought of that. Yep. Rest in peace. Um, he's Nolan not dead. Patrick. He's just injured. <laughs> right. Out in Vegas, right? So, yeah, sucks for, sucks for him. Um, you hate to see his development continue to be stunted. Um, yeah, I was the second overall pick at this point. Uh-huh. Darn. Um, we don't give the Flyers enough shit for giving Nick DeLore a four-year contract. We do not. I, I just forgot it was four years. That's insane. At 1.75. They gave this motherfucker, what the hell? What is this contract? What is this contract? Somebody fill me in. $7 million for Nick DeLaurier over the span of four years. My God. What a catastrophe. That's <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. doesn't bring anything. He's a tough guy. Belongs in He's going to get lots of penalty. He belongs in it. He's going to bring lots of penalty minutes. Yeah, that's it. This is the net negative. That's the only fantasy contribution he's making on your team. Uh, so, wow. Just a, just a straight... I would say power move, but not that. Power move for Nick Deloria getting that contract. Yes. Nuts. What an agent. All right. I want to talk about a fascinating trade. Please. Which is uh, the New York Rangers trading Nils Lundqvist to Dallas for a conditional first-round pick, and I think a conditional fourth-round pick as well. Um, This is much more than I thought the Rangers were ever going to get for Nils Lundqvist. So Nils Lundqvist um, was the 28th overall pick by the Rangers. In 2018, so about four years ago, uh, which was you know about the range he was expected to go in, and all of a sudden his development started going extremely well in Sweden. He he went into the men's league in Sweden, and he played great, uh, and came over to North America after a few years. He played 25 NHL games this year, 34 AHL games. It was like he's he's fine. Um, he actually just turned 22 this summer. And it seems there's, A, still some pretty decent offensive upside there, and B, a logjam for the right side on the Rangers with Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, Braden Schneider, kind of, you know, Braden Schneider kind of beating out Nils Lundqvist for that role. So I think he requested a trade. I think the Rangers were like, okay. Um, But I thought that the rest of the league was kind of under the impression that Nils Lundqvist was just like, oh, yeah, he was a promising prospect, but, like, he's 22 now. And he hasn't really managed to crack a roster. So maybe he'll give like a second round pick for him. Dallas uh, disagrees. <laughs> Apparently, Nils Lundqvist has actually gained value since he was first drafted. They seem to be extremely high on him because they give up a top 10 protected first round pick. And these, these are the Dallas Stars we're talking about. Are the Dallas Stars going to make the playoffs? But there's like a 50-50 chance they won't. So Dallas is like, of all the teams, to be like, we're top 10 protecting a pick. It feels like the most pointless for them because they're, pro- they're almost definitely not bad enough to pick in the top 10 unless they like win a lottery. They are like, if you ask me, hey, who's, which team is most likely to pick in the like 11 to 16 range, I might pick Dallas. Yeah. So this, I feel like, will backfire, especially in this upcoming excellent draft. The Rangers may get an, an absolutely excellent prospect who's better than Nils Lundqvist, who may top out as like a number four defenseman. The one thing, though, uh, is that after losing John Klingberg this summer, Dallas 
uh, has a gaping need on their roster for like a right shot defenseman. And, you know, an offensive type one is nice too. So there is absolutely an opening for them to be like, all right, go play immediately on our second pair with like Essa Lindell because otherwise it's like Colin Miller. Okay. Yeah. I I get there's a need, but man, this is this seems this seems like the wrong way to compromise your future. For sure. Uh, you know, like even value wise, like the fact that he, like the Rangers had no real leverage, uh, because he requested that trade to give up a first and a fourth, uh, seems like a lot. And you know, this this is a strange way, a real strange way to fill a top four like a top four gap. Like I get the appeal of you know you can develop this guy, um, but he's not even like he's had he had nice results. While he was in the AHL, he was fine. Um, but still, that's a very limited sample size. Uh, and to kind of to to bet the farm like a first round pick, uh, on that seems excessive. And for a team like Dallas Stars, who uh, are currently like what three competent players and a goalie, um, not a risk I would take at all. You mentioned the draft, the strong class this year, absolutely. Um, just seems like an ill-advised gamble. Um, you could have. You know what? Fine. You bring who's who's the guy you said was on the third pair? Colin Miller, sure. Or Yanni Hakenpah. Why not promote them? Who gives a shit? This team stinks, anyways. It's wholly yeah. mediocre. No reason to give up your first round pick. That's clownery. Yeah, I think the Rangers probably even didn't expect to trade, and they're like, "Oh yeah, nice request there, you got kid. We'll see." Um, but you know, when Dallas proposes above the like what they did, you know, it would have been dumb to say no. You know what this reeks of? This trade to, from Dallas's perspective. Is this the player they like fell in love with in like his draft year, but couldn't get their hands on, um, and now was like, oh, we can do it, with you know not really analyzing the fact that like you know who's this player now? Where is he now? He's like a fringe bottom pair defenseman at twenty two. Yeah. So yeah, just in terms of value, like trade wise, what you can get for a first round pick, um, if you know you combine them or whatever, you make a package, feels like you can get much more value than Niels Lundqvist. Uh, even just like contract wise, it's not like he's locked in at a low rate. I mean, he's I think he's still on his ELC, right? So he's you have to pay him still. Um, yeah, I just I don't really see the value for Dallas. Give up that first round pick that's probably going to be around the middle of that round. That year in the draft, 2018, Dallas took Ty Delandria 13th overall, and Nils Lundqvist went 28. But maybe Dallas was hoping to get him at number 44, where they instead selected. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Albin Erickson. Who the fuck is that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I'd want to redo if I was them no, too. I'm, you know what? Maybe I understand yeah, this trade more. They could have had players picked right after or soon after. Scott Piranovich, eh. Martin Fairvary, eh. Uh, Sean Dursey, Kalen Addison, uh, Gabriel Fortier. No stars yet coming out of round two, 2018. But we'll see. Okay. So they didn't completely whiff, but uh, could have done better. Could have done better. Sean Dursey would have done much better. Yeah, 100%. You know what else is going on in Dallas? Tell me. Jason Robertson still doesn't have a deal. Uh, hold out. Yeah, we got, we've officially got a, a training camp holdout going on here. There are four RFAs left. Um, Jason Robertson is by far the, the most notable of them all. The others are Rasmus Sandin, Nicholas Haig, and Alex Formant. So and, uh, the Robertson is by far the interesting one, not just because he's the best, but because there's a massive range of deals that this could end up being. They could settle on an eight-year deal that gives them like around nine, nine and a half million AAV. They could settle on a bridge deal, like a three-year deal that gives them, you know, maybe close to six million AAV. They could even settle on like a one-year deal. We'll do this again next year. And 
for this year shut up and take like 5.4 or something man especially those last ones they feel like real bargains like Jason Robinson at five point four million dollars for just a year, and then next yeah. year he asks for ten and a half. You know, that's, that's the that's the risk. I guess that's the that's the trade off. Um, yeah, this is this is this is strange for like to, for Dallas to let this kind of drag out uh, these negotiations for a player who's so key to this team, partly because there's nobody here. Um, yeah, obviously he's very good, but you know who else is part of you know Dallas's future? Just like. Rupe Hints, Jake Ottinger, and question mark. Haskinen. You know, oh, that's true, Haskinen. Um, but And don't forget, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The uh, Ma- Wyatt Johnston, Maverick Bork, and Logan Stankoven. Three excellent prospects of the Dallas Stars. That's true, but still quite unproven. In terms of proven NHL talent, there's not much uh, out, in the, out in the future. So, yeah, lock them down. I don't see what the big rush is. Uh, the, not the, the, the big holdup is. Dallas. I know his, their owner came out with a quote the other day, right? Like, a while ago. oh, they're going to squeeze the middle class, whatever. We talked about it. Um, that's, That doesn't make sense. Look at the league. Look at the value that Jason Robertson brings to your team. Just pay the man. And if you can get him locked down, you know the cap's going up. It's going to be a bargain. Right now, Mason Marchman is listed on that top line with Hinton Pavelski. Yikes. That's how you know. You need, sign likes, him. Yeah. You, you, need to, you need to sign him bad. You, this team cannot survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still I remember last year when we did our preseason predictions i was like i'm a dallas believer and i picked them finishing like second in the central which didn't happen but then i predicted that they would beat the flames and that almost happened i think i can't help it because there are just a few players on this team that i happen to have quite the affinity for and like hinson robertson and pavelski are three of them um but you know the entire like bottom nine of their forwards just reeks more than i feel like it has in recent years so i may finally I may finally start begin to sour on this team. <laughs> Took you long enough after all this time. Yeah, this just this team is so based in mediocrity. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not on this wagon. You don't have to convince me to jump off. <laughs> You've never uh, been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not 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 a, not a fan of this. What the stars are doing. Um, they're just they're boned, as I've mentioned on previous occasions. Um, last thing on Dallas, yeah. if I may. Um, do you know the condition on the fourth round pick from the Nils Lundqvist? 55 points in two combined seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and then it moves up to a third if that happens. Yeah. So this player, by the way, in 25 games this year, uh, this defenseman, four points in 25 games. So um, this kind of an odd condition, because, you know, he would have to average about uh, about 28 points per season of, over the next two years in order for this fourth to turn, to turn to a third. And the fact that this is a condition implies that the teams, or at least one of them, Feels like this is something that may reasonably happen, right? So you would, yeah. Who, which team do you think is more convinced? Um, I think Dallas is like, if this happens, we'll be over the moon anyway. Yeah. Um, and I the from the Rangers' point of view, it's probably like we're happy with the fourth rounder. You know, who cares? <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's a bonus if he manages to optics wise. You're cheering for him to succeed. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing with, like, that's an interesting way to look at these conditional picks. Like, from a Rangers fan's point of view, uh, it's like, if Nils Lundqvist does very well, it's like, yes, we got a third rounder, rather than, oh, no, we gave up this great young player. Exactly. So some insurance for the Rangers. Yeah, exactly. Good for them. Okay. All right. Uh, hmm. Where should I, how should we transition to uh, Tim Stutz's contract? 
I guess we just did. There we go. I nailed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, eight years. $8.35 million coming straight off his ELC. It's actually not even off his ELC yet. Uh, he's got a year left. Um, yeah, this is the richest contract in Senator's history. Just out oh, of total value. That. For total value. Um, yeah. That's, wow, Eugene Malik dies and all of a sudden. The everyone... purse strings come <laughs> completely unlo- just unwind. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, this is that's, that's been the theme this whole summer, hasn't it? Yeah. Then summer, signing everybody, yeah. left and right, eight years. Yeah, Dabrinkit, Giroux, and Norris and Stutzel both get the big deals. Um, I feel, I don't know, I guess, like, I was, I kind of, I feel like I used to be the person who was, like, everyone's complaining about how, like, the deals are too expensive, and I was like, well, whatever. And I feel like it's, I feel like every deal, like, the number surprises me with how high it is. Even though everyone else was like, oh, that's going to look so good. This is going to be great. 8.35 for this player who, you know, He's 20 years old, and he's only had two seasons. And people drew comparisons to the dry saddle deal a bit, where it was like he was only, I think, two or three seasons in, and he got the eight by eight and a half. And I was like, whoa. All he's, he, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's kind of on a bargain deal. So with this kind of uh, this, this risk is you hope he grows into this player and you sign it for long enough, that there's a reasonable chance he'll surpass that value. Another thing I found interesting about it is that it is notably like slightly more than Josh Norris. So I think this is a sign that they expect Dusla to kind of surpass Norris quite soon to be top-line center and make Norris number two, or perhaps a 1A, 1B type thing. Yeah, I think the skill set that uh, Stutzel has just is raw talent. Um, that's what you're, you're banking on. Because this is, this is a, a big-time projection contract, right? Uh, you look at the results that he's had, they, they've been okay. Like, they've been fine. Um, like... I think what he heated up, he heated up near the end of the season, right? Last he did. year, that is true. Um, but I saw that a lot of that production like did come on the power play. Um, so you know he still needs to work on even strength. Um, but I think the the bet is I think it's twofold. Obviously, you expect him to develop, and, and the other one is with that development and the fact that he's playing with you know Batherson and Debrinkit this year, um, which are much better linemates than or Giroux and Debrinkit. Yeah, I think the the lines they're running right now, oh, okay. um, that's what they're going with. Um, I think. You're gonna see that production skyrocket even more, and so you're banking that you know it's gonna be even more expensive down the road. You bridge him, so yeah, I think it's it's fine as a bet. Um, it's it's a bet though, right? It is a it is a risky proposition. Um, but you know if you're Ottawa, like you you are, your your core does rest on like you know Stutzel is instrumental to your core. So I don't think it's a bad bet to make. Um, necessarily, yeah. we'll see what happens with with Drake Batherson in the coming weeks or so with the hockey Canada thing the vibes around that are getting around him specifically are getting grosser and grosser yeah. i don't know if you saw the uh the quote yesterday or the day before someone asked him about like what he thinks about hockey culture and he basically said like i'm having a great time every day and i either you know he deliberately deflected to like sends locker room culture or just totally misunderstood the question and neither of those are great outcomes yeah um anyway another big contract that was signed similar to the Stuzel one, was Jordan Cairo. Jordan Cairo notably was on my fantasy team this year. I was a and, hater. Huh? And you were a Cairo hater. You're like, oh, he's going to slow down. Oh, he's going to fall off. And I was like, no, he's not. He's a star player. He's great. This is how good Jordan Cairo is. And it looks like the Blues agree with me because they signed him to the identical deal that Robert Thomas got. And in fact, they're actually both making identical AVs this year too at 2.8. And then they both jump up to exactly 8.125 for eight years. Um... Is this too rich for Jordan Kyrie? Maybe slightly. 
I think the issue is, you know, he had one good season, one where I wasn't convinced he could sustain it over the whole thing, and then he did. Um, point a game player. Point a game. That's right. So you know, all all the so yeah, point a game player. I think I don't think there was any indication that it's a fluke, right? There was no like you know underlines that kind of pointed to he's going to be great. So yeah, I don't really have an issue other than the fact that it's one season, but it was one really good season throughout where it wasn't just a hot. So, he's been steadily getting better and better all the time. That's true, exactly. So yeah, his development has been linear, and uh, yeah, this this seems like a fair bet. Um, it does seem high though. You know what I mean? Like you see a guy with one really good season and you get give him eight by eight. Um, but I guess that's just the market. I yeah. don't think it's uh, it's particularly problematic at all. And he's like only twenty four. I thought he was older than twenty four. I was fully convinced he was twenty seven. Um, but I guess not. And uh, yeah, so it's fine. I think it's fine. And uh, I'm on board. You know, when Leafs fans talk about like the twenty sixteen NHL draft and like, oh, we could add to bring it. Jordan Cairo doesn't get brought up brought up enough in that conversation because he went thirty fifth. He went four picks before to bring it. That's true. Or after Igor Korshkov. Huh. So there we go. Think about that once in a while. Well, I think that conversation, uh, he wasn't in that conversation of uh, until recently. up until now. So, but yeah, that conversation should be adjusted because he's a he's a stud. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to go on the record Woo! with that one. I say he's a Jordan Cairo <laughs> fan now. Made a good. You pick. know how St. Louis got that pick? Nope. The day before they acquired it. Straight up, one for one for Brian Elliott. That's a steal. Turned out that way, indeed. Yeah. Uh, from, from Calgary. Tampa? Or, okay, from Calgary. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Well, there we go. So, uh, yeah. They the, could have had to bring it, though. Would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything else on Jordan Cairo? Uh, no, not really. Uh, let's do JT Miller now, even though this was a while ago. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I thought it was notable enough to write down in my notes. Because uh, he signed a big fat extension, too. Vancouver, and there had been trade rumors swirling, um, but turns out he gets, I think it was eight mil, uh, by seven years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yes. So he's entering the final year of his deal, five point two five AAV, and then a year from now, when he will be thirty years old, begins the seven year contract. Um, and I'm always very wary of giving long term deals to anyone. Who's you know like a notch below superstar level, I would say, such as JT Miller is, and who's you know going to be on the wrong side of thirty. But I'm particularly so when I'm someone like the Vancouver Canucks, who is nowhere near contender status, and by the time they are, JT Miller will probably be thirty-three, thirty-four, if we're optimistic, and if the build is done properly. Yeah, right. If you think you're contending with the Vancouver Canucks right now, you're delusional. And I think, you know, the management team might be a bit delusional. They think they, I think they think that they're going to take a big step forward uh, within that Pacific division. And I think, you know, maybe some progress, but you just didn't add enough to uh, make that leap to become a contender. Uh, and yeah, JT Miller, you know, he goes on market. He probably gets that deal, right? But He'll get more. But the issue is, is, is the team, right? It's just, it's just not a good fit timeline-wise. Uh, so in that sense, it doesn't make sense um, for, for the Canucks. So that's why I don't like the deal. It's going to age poorly. Uh, and it's really for the first few years where you need to juice that value and the Canucks are not currently primed to take full advantage of that contract. Uh, and instead, you know, they do get good. They'll probably be saddled uh, with, with that cap hit moving forward when he falls off that eight flip. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Notch below superstar uh, for, for JT Miller. And uh, yeah, at 30 years old when this contract kicks in, that's just not a wise move for a franchise that is not in win now. He's being only a little bit more than Oliver Ekman Larson. He was locked in for five more years. Oh my! 
That's seven point eight five. Yeah, which leads me to the real reason Vancouver's not contending is the makeup of the defense. Uh, there's Quinn Hughes and Scrubs, and it's so bleak on the right side specifically, which is made up of Tyler Myers, Luke Shen, and Tucker Pullman, that I believe Vancouver's actually been uh, considering the idea of trying Quinn Hughes on the right side. Uh, which you know, sure, it's not a bad idea, but the problem with that is that then it would be the left side with all the Scrubs because there's only one good player on this team. It would be, you know, OEL, <laughs> Travis Dermott, and I don't know, maybe they'd put like Kyle Burroughs on the left side, even though he shoots right, or, or Luke Shen or something like that. Yeah. So no matter where you slice it, it doesn't look good. Unless you find a way to play Quinn Hughes on the left and right at the same time. <laughs> yeah, if only we could clone him five times, put him on the yeah. defense, huh? How about that? Uh, Yeah, no, this, this, and cap wise, it's also very expensive, right? Um, Yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, Pullman has like three more years. Remember, that was a whole bit. When he signed four years last year, and we're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, that's right. There's three years left. Um, yeah, just an expensive decor. None of them are trying particularly soon. If two more years of Tyler Myers. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a total mess. And you might take a step forward, but what? Take a step forward into a wildcard spot where you'll, you know, get destroyed in the first round. Maybe you'll make it to the second. That's as far as you'll go. Uh, and that'll be that for the next two, three years. I was slightly mistaken before. OEL is not making 7.85. That's huge. OEL is 7.26. That's much is much better, obviously. Yeah. No. Now it's justified. Uh-huh. I would want that gun. Yeah. I don't think. I remember last year. I think I we were talking about how terrible the Pacific was, and like we didn't realize Calgary was any good either. I think I actually predicted Vancouver would make the playoffs just for the fuck of it, but uh, I'm not doing that this year. I think Calgary, Vegas, and Edmonton are all very far ahead of Vancouver in terms of the roster and the Kings as well. Yeah, I think. I don't know if I put Vegas up there. You know that goaltending. I think it might sing them. And the, just the vibes on that team. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see with our predictions next week. Um, we but it'll be interesting. But, I, you know, they pop out, obviously, as a wildcard team, the Canucks. I Vegas is still head and shoulders ahead of the Canucks, I would say. Yeah. Even with um, Aiden Hill and Laurent Brassois. Yeah, right. Because while the nice flat goaltending, this team might be. So, yeah. I guess that's the, that's the math you got to do. Um, okay. Yeah. So, that's, that's, that's the Canucks. We get here. Oh, yeah, JT Miller. Right. That's right. Um, yeah, other other contract, Kirby Doc. Yes, uh, there was happened. Doc. There was, that was, which feels yeah. like a while ago. Yeah. That's an interesting one, um, as opposed to all the other uninteresting ones. Just kidding. Every contract is super interesting in its own way. Uh, Kirby Doc, four years by 3.362 or so million. Um, and this uh, is funny because for the trade to work out, um, Doc is going to have to vastly outperform this deal and grow into like a second line center. Um, if you are if you are in agreement with me and that that's unlikely to happen, and that the trade is going to end up looking bad, and that therefore this deal will end up looking bad as well, and Doc will be like a a so so third line center. I think I think the, the, you can have the deal looking fine and being fair value, and the trade still being a disappointment. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, okay. If yeah. Doc is, you know, worth the deal exactly, yeah. then I think the trade is a disappointment. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, you're is is that like a form of hedging? I'm trying to think. Like it is it's just yeah, it is just a very interesting contract where they're not like we know you're gonna be a star, right? But like there's you know, somewhere it's a it's a weird middle, uh, for a weird prospect in at this point. Um I think I think it's it's uh you're first of all, you don't you won't need the cap space in the next four years for this franchise. So, 
I think it's a uh, like worst case scenario. Like what you're paying the guy three point three six mil, and you can just forget about him. And obviously the trade stinks, uh, but contract wise it's okay. Um, and and best case scenario you get a couple years of, of bargain value. Yeah, so I think the contract. The worst case scenario is everyone looks back at the trade as terrible, and no one thinks about the deal really. Yeah. Uh huh. Also, Habs a related thing, which I found it weird. Everyone kind of seemed to stop talking about, but obviously there's been the rumblings about Carey Price and how he may not play again, and he. Well, would need a surgery to do so, and he definitely won't play this season. Um, and I don't even know what I would put the odds on of him ever playing in the NHL again, but I it definitely wouldn't be above fifty percent. And he made a, an Instagram post on September eighth uh, with a picture of a cowboy hat and a feather, and it reads, "I just want to thank everyone who has been supportive over the past few weeks, months, and years. It has been a very emotional time for myself. Merci, go Habs, go." And everyone was kind of reading into this, like, is like a, is a retirement announcement coming soon? Because this reads very much like, thanks, I'm done. Right. Yeah. I, the, 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 the kind of artsy picture, which I haven't seen, but you described very aptly. Um, Look what I can do. I can, now that we're in person, I'll turn around my laptop and show you this photograph. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like Luongo with the, I don't know, retirement home or whatever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Just, you know, nondescript. Um, nobody in there. Just uh, relaxation vibes. Ah, yes. My, I'm riding off into the sunset. There we go. With the cowboy hat. And a feather. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, it, it seems like a goodbye. It obviously leaves it ambiguous. Um, he might return. Um, but, you know, if he doesn't end up returning, we can go back to this and be like, yeah, this gives exactly the vibes of someone who knows he's not going to play again. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the picture says it all. Picture's worth a thousand words, as they say. Yeah, it would be a slightly disappointing way to go out. I feel like Carey Price absolutely deserved a kind of final on-ice ovation where everyone knew it was his last game type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'd get some kind of ceremony if there was an announcement during the season or near the end of the season. But if, I, if my memory serves, uh, this year his final game was like the 10-1 win over Florida. Uh, well, yeah, because Montreal's last game of this god-awful season was a 10-2 win over the Florida Panthers. And I think Price was in net. I'm just checking uh, to see if I'm correct. Uh, and he was. Played the whole game. Uh, 949 save percentage. That'd be a fun way to go out on a cold Caulfield hat trick game, if that's indeed how it ends. Beautiful. 10 goals. Wow. 10 goals in the game, yeah. Yeah, nice. That's the way to go. Um, which is more than wait. I want to see how many games uh, into the season it took for them to score ten goals. Uh, they lost two to one to Toronto, then they lost five one to Buffalo, then they lost three one to the Rangers, and they lost five nothing to the Sharks. How is this? Man? And then they lost four one to Carolina. So they had four goals in the first five games of the year, and then uh, they beat Detroit six one. So uh, okay. so that, they picked up the pace a little bit, but it took them six games into the year to score ten goals, uh, and. Leading up to that final game of the year, oh, they were scoring quite a bit. Um, so never mind. They really doubled their output in the sixth game of the year. That's remarkable. They more than doubled their yeah, output. Yeah, that's insane. That's just how bad this team was. What a stinker. Yeah, I was looking through this hockey reference page the other. We lost, 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 win, lost, win, lost, lost, win, lost, 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 and there was like a ten-game losing streak in the middle of the year. There was at least one. Were there multiple ten-game losing streaks? Uh, the really dark times were like near the end of November till like early February. Do you remember? 
it was uh February um on February sixteenth. Yeah. They had eight wins on the year. Yeah, they were on forty point watch, right? They were they were in forty point watch and they picked up the pace a bit and got yeah. to like fifty two or something like that. Fifty six. Yeah. But uh no, that's that was just a dog shit season. Um but yeah, anyways, back to price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know how we got there, but uh yeah. Carry price. I don't know what else to add other than uh LPR season for this dude. Yep. Jake Allen, Samuel Montambo, best tandem. Hit a Primo? No. no, I don't think so. Just got three or Yeah, he'll be in the minors. Mm. Oh, yeah, here's actually one more funny contract I want to point out. It was Ryan McLeod signing his extension with the Oilers because the re- I saw a report that was like, sounds like Ryan McLeod's getting a, a one year 800K and it breaks on cap friendly officially. It's 798000 for the one year. The Oilers are like, Hometown no. discount. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They removed literally $2,000. And they just knew that flexibility heading into wait the i actually think they did now that i think of it because everyone is making jokes <laughs> like uh they're, they're gonna have like 164 dollars in cap space or something okay yeah so i think this was actually a necessary maneuver incredible they could have yeah. given him the 164 dollars ryan mcleod could have stood his ground and be like no i want 800k yeah. they would have traded his ass but <laughs> he could have done it <laughs> could have asked for the 164 dollars huh yeah give me like, how does agent do the math yeah give me 798,164 dollars. Correct. That's right. Do the Mitch Marner thing, but with the entire cab hit. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Give it to me. I want, um, what will cost $164? I want to stay in a nice hotel for one night. There we go. On my free time. Yeah. I, players probably don't want to stay in hotels when they're not working. That was a bad example. Yeah. I want to buy, um, a bunch of lottery tickets. Wow. What are, what is that? What are they, they are, worth? What are the fucking Islanders over here, huh? Yeah. Yeah, let's turn to the Islanders for that Lou, request. Yeah, Lou is going to acquire them right away. Yeah, perfect. He fits the vibe. Um. So yeah, that's well. There we go, Ryan McLeod. Um. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Oilers having a whack ass week? What else happened? Well, there was the, the oh yes, Tannen, uh, and also that Connor McDavid quote. Did you see that? Oh yeah, there was a. I mean, Connor McDavid had some really shit quotes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is maybe something to talk about off the air instead of on the air. Okay. But I feel like it may because you know we see these times of you know shitty events go on quite often. Uh, where, you know, for example, someone like Jake Britannia will get a PTO and everyone, you know, uh, gets all angry about it. Uh, and we, if we wanted to bring it up every time, we'd be saying more or less the same things. Maybe helpful for us, if it's possible on Anchor, to, like, pin an audio recording of what we think about that type of thing. Or even in the description to, like, link to it. Yeah. Just a, uh, like, like a short audio? Like, like a- or it doesn't have to be short, necessarily. Just like here's our perspective on the yeah. rot of hockey culture. Right. Yeah. Could be an idea. I think it could be a good idea potentially. I agree. Just so you know our take, we're not to say the same thing over and over. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, we disapprove yeah. of the Probably. Jake Pretend PTO. Dog. Anyways. Um And it's not even smart from a hockey perspective no, either. He's terrible. You just sucked ass in the KHL all year. Just brain dead. Yeah. Brain dead. Anyway. Um I think we'll call it here. But actually, first, I want to say uh, this is officially the final season three episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Season four will be starting next week. I apologize for the inconsistent schedule. Um, now that I uh, live downtown, it's a little trickier to uh, find good times to record things. But we're going to try to get a little routine going here. 
maybe it'll be Wednesday evenings at a certain point. Maybe it'll be Friday evenings. Like we're recording Friday afternoon now. Uh, we'll see. That's right. We'll keep you updated. Yes. From now on, just just check your feed every so often. Yeah. And look forward to the season four intro music that I'm going to try to have prepped for next episode. Big hype. Yeah. Okay. Big, uh-huh, it'll change your life. All right. Your ears will blow off their head. <laughs> your ears are going to make your elbows fall over. All right. Wilden. So the Instagram is Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, our Twitters are going to be in the description too. Uh, and yeah, the end.